Broadway Sports Media. I hate Corey Davis. Corey Davis yeah. is going to be awful. He's probably going to be out for the year. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Mr. Lebowski. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Michael Herndon and Zach Lyons. How are we doing this morning, guys? Doing good. We're doing good. I think. I just said we. Yeah, I just said we. How are you doing? Um, Well, Zach told me I'm doing good, so. That's that's the only answer you're allowed to give, so I'm going to ask you to be quiet now. <laughs> of course, you can always find all of our content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can find this podcast, articles, videos. I, it's, it's a great site, if I don't say so myself, not just because I'm remotely involved with it. Eh, it's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Today, we're going to discuss, uh, we've got quite a bit of NFL news to get to, Um and uh, we're also going to get into some Titans topics, including players attending parties when they probably shouldn't have. And also, Zach and Mike's favorite quarterback got cut already. So, it's a real shame. Uh, Hurts my soul. Yeah. The Upsetting sec- week. We have lost the second Hawaiian quarterback in about a year. So, anyways, that's all we got. We're going to get right into it. All righty. We are going to start off with some NFL news. Got a couple of topics, obviously, right off the rip. Uh, Ron Rivera of the Washington football team announced that he had been diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma located in a lymph node. Uh, Rivera and the team said that it is very treatable and curable. However, that's obviously, uh, you know, some, some quite scary news for him to be sharing for a team that's already had so much going on in the offseason. Um, and then also with Washington, they have hired Jason Wright, as their team president, this is the first black team president in NFL history. So Washington football team obviously have had a big weekend. They've had quite a bit of news that have coming out all off season, but this just kind of adds to it. Um, gentlemen, I'll start with, uh, with Rivera. Well, it's, it sucks. I, li- I really like Ron Rivera as a coach and I feel for, for him because I mean, he gets fired last year and then gets hired by probably the worst football team in the Washington football team and they they already have tackled so much controversy um in this offseason and it seems like every little bit of good news there's going to be like 10 things of bad news and um you know Alex Smith is healthy and he's coming back feel good story and then boom here's this and then you know it's just for a coach that does seem to have some sort of mentorship and relationship with Mike Rabel, but who's very well respected around the league and has gone through ups and downs his whole career. I'm glad that it's very treatable and they're not, um, they're not too worried about it, but you know, it's just, just sucks. Cancer sucks. Yeah. I, I pretty much can echo the same sentiments. Um, you know, Rivera, it, it's sad to see this. And obviously, you know, you hope that, that like they expect that it's pretty treatable and, and he's able to uh, get back to his normal um, routine pretty quickly. And, and, and is obviously healthy long-term is the key thing. Um, so hopefully that, that all goes well, but I do want to touch on the, uh, the Jason Wright thing. I think it's, you know, obviously 
far overdue um, for them to have uh, a, a black guy uh, in a role like this. I mean, it's just been all white dudes um, for so long um, that, you know, you'd like to see some diversity reach the ownership ranks, but that's going to take some time because obviously nobody's going to, nobody can force any of these guys to sell. And most of these teams have been in the families that they're in right now for a long time. So, um, you know, you'd like to see some diversity in the ownership ranks eventually, but this is about as close as you can get to that with him kind of being the team president. And hopefully uh, Dan Snyder does give him the leeway to, um, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit because Snyder's been running this thing into the ground for so long um, that it's, you know, this team, as much as it's fun to kind of dunk on them, uh, you'd like to see them eventually figure things out a little bit and and not just become a total uh, lost cause in the NFL landscape. Yeah, a team tied – maybe this is, you know, a little too sentimental, but a team tied to the national, you know, to the the capital of the United States being such a joke for so long is, is, is kind of painful to see. And, and you're right. Dan Snyder has, has ruled over that team with an iron fist for so long that I, I want to see him give up some power, maybe hopefully take some cues from the all season they've already had. And he needs to take a t- step back and let someone else, run the ship and and Jason Wright, not only being a person of color, uh, but just bringing in someone young and fresh who has some drive that wants to do something different with the team. And I have to echo exactly what you said, Mike, it's about damn time that a person of color, that an African-American got a chance to have some leadership in the NFL in a league that's dominated by African-Americans by far. And it's, it's a little, it's, it's almost a little gross to say that it hasn't happened yet already, but this is a good step, not only for the NFL, it's a good step for the Washington football team. Again, they've had a hell of an offseason deal with problems already, so I, I hope this is a good move for them. And, uh, of course, best to Ron Rivera. That That's, you know, it's it's a shame to hear that, but at the same time, uh, the Mayo Clinic says that uh, squamous cell cancer is a form of skin cancer that is usually not life-threatening, um, is easily treatable. But if it, if it does spread, it can cause serious complications. So all the best to Ron. Um, but, yeah, no, this team, this team needs some goodwill and something good going forward. So, you know, let's hope that Jason Wright brings that. Agreed. <laughs> I left it open for Zach. And I, I, don't, just, I don't know what you want me to say. I've already no, talked. I, I think we took it all from him. Um, so, also, over the last several days, uh, Gerald McCoy, unfortunately, suffered a – I was just about to say, did he tear an MCL? or No, he injured quad. his quad. Yeah. Injured his quad, so is out for the season and had it – and it was actually written in his contract that if he had a quad injury – that his contract would become null and void. So his contract is null and void, and the Cowboys have cut him. So I guess I will start there. If you need a reminder that the NFL is strictly a business, there it is, and that's about as cut and dry as it gets. Well, good for the Cowboys, though. Like, Isn't that like a really, really smart thing to put into, into a new player's contract? when you know that they have a history with this quad, like, you know, if you, if you, if you signed, um, 
Alex Smith or after he had done, after he had the uh, whole knee shattering bacteria virus thing going on, you should put in there, if you injure that knee, boom, we should get a little bit of our money back. And it was really smart by the Cowboys. Now, it sucks for Gerald McCoy. And the timing could not have been worse because he just put out this great statement that everybody was talking about. And then here comes the Dallas Cowboys and been like, okay, great statement. We're really glad that you really enjoy our locker room and you're really rooting for the Cowboys to reach the playoffs. Uh, But we're going to cut you. Like, (laughs) could you not have cut him as soon as you found out that he had this injury so he didn't make a fool of himself before he, you know, like, I just, I feel bad for Gerald McCoy at this point because, he he got done dirty, sort of, right? You can't say that he got done dirty 100% because it's in the contract. But he got done dirty and kind of made to look like a fool by releasing that statement. Yeah, a little bit. The timing was definitely weird. I, I do agree, though, that, you know, the contract is um, smart by the Cowboys, knowing that he obviously had some sort of pre-existing issue with the quad that they were – alarmed about enough to put it in a clause in the contract and that he was willing to sign the contract with that clause in there. Obviously his agent and himself would have known about that uh, going into it. So it was a risk they were willing to take. Um, And, you know, sometimes it comes up snake eyes, you know, what can you say? Um, It's, it's an unfortunate deal. I do like Gerald McCoy as a player. You know, he's one of the good guys of the league. So it sucks to, to see him miss this season. Um, and you know, who knows if he'll be back, he's getting to the age where it's going to be harder to, to return from that, um, than, than ever. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's too bad for him and it's too bad for the Cowboys too. Their, their defensive front was looking like it was going to be one of the more fearsome ones in the league between McCoy. Uh, and then you have Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence, uh, in there and they, they had a really nice, uh, nice defensive line. Uh, building there, and this is obviously a setback to that. So, yeah, you know, speaking of a statement, Gerald McCoy had come out and said, among other things, you know, the Jones family opened their doors to an old vet, had the opportunity to come and help this team win, was beyond excited to play, you know, or or to be a cowboy. (laughs) The cowboys are like, hold up, you have a clause in your contract, sorry, you got to go, you know, and so I I agree with what Zach is saying, and he wasn't done dirty, it does feel dirty, but it's basically like, it's a team saying, nope, letter of the law, it's in your contract, you got to go, that leaves the door open, and then maybe it swung open a little further with the Ravens releasing Earl Thomas, after Earl Thomas decided he was going to get in a fight on the field during practice, I think I'm a little more surprised that Earl Thomas was just flat out cut. And it kind of tells me that there was something already going on between the Ravens and Earl Thomas, and maybe they were kind of fed up with him. I will tell you, this is the same Earl Thomas that tried to fight his entire defensive line while in Seattle over a bag of sunflower seeds with that lovely gentleman, throw to you, Zach. Well, it, it's funny that Earl Thomas gets cut over just a thrown punch, right? So you're right. There has to be more to it because they cut him with under contract detrimental to the team. But much like the Quincy Nunwa contract where he was paid for one reception, negative four yards, Earl Thomas was paid $22 million in one season by the Ravens. And he gave up on two 
very noticeable plays was the Derrick Henry play. And then there was a um, – it was – oh, crap. I just am blanking. There was another play uh, that he gave up on uh, at some point last season. Um, anyway, here's the worst part about it. Are all the fullback jokes – from the Titans fans about Earl Thomas. Oh, we should bring him in. I like Kerry Blassen game, but we should bring him in for competition. Oh, looks like there's a fullback hit in the market. Like, guys, come on. Let's get creative. If you see it one time, just let it lie. Not everybody has to put out their own Earl Thomas as a fullback joke and stuff. Not everybody has to have one to be popular on the internet. Um, so, good news. Earl Thomas is hitting the market, probably going to finally go to the Dallas Cowboys, which he's been trying to do, which feels like for five years. Bad news, probably still got a 24 hours left of lame Twitter jokes. Yeah, I, the funny thing about Earl Thomas is, you know, he's still talented enough that he uh, he worries you uh, if he's on the field opposite your, your team. Um, but – he's obviously a big enough headache to get run out of two of the best run franchises in the NFL over the past, what, two years now. Um, so there's clearly some, some stuff, stuff going on with him besides the obvious uh, incident with his brother uh, down in Austin uh, that was reported. We won't go into any more details than that, but you can Google it. Just look up Earl Thomas's brother if you want to, uh, to dive down that rabbit hole. But uh, it, it's, um, there's some stuff going on with Earl. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good for it, Earl. It's not good for his legacy because you're talking about what uh, could have been a Hall of Fame career, and it's starting to get derailed uh, right here. I had coffee midway up my nose as he's telling people to Google his brother. So um, what a wonderful thing. I've got 30 seconds left in the segment. Real quickly, Zach, Jarek Stedman versus Cam Newton. Cam Cam Newton, who you got? Uh, it's definitely Cam Newton, but uh, Jarrett Stidham was being given a legit shot, but apparently he has a hip injury. Mike, Derek Carr versus Marcus Mariota. Why is it going to be Derek Carr? Derek Carr, and it won't be close. It sounds like reports are uh, leaning very much towards Mariota looking like Mariota. Yeah, dirt flying up in the field in Oakland. Or no, not Oakland. I'm sorry, Las Vegas now, just like an old you know, Wild Western because Marcus Mariota cannot throw a football. And yeah. So that's it. That's a wonderful way to end the segment. Let's start with Isaiah Wilson decided to go to a party uh, located, I guess, near or around the campus of TSU. And according to Paul Kaharski at paulkaharski.com, who broke this story, uh, the rookie first round pick was caught and received a trespass warning after attending a party on August 15th on an uh, off-campus apartment. So it was off-campus. Um, and again, you know, going into the whole thing about players trying to stay away, social distance from people during COVID. I'll just throw it out there. What was Isaiah Wilson thinking? Well, he obviously wasn't thinking. I mean, he's a 21. Everybody forgets that these rookies are 21, 20 years old. Some of them can, I mean, they're young, they're kids, right? I mean, you are talking about a 21-year-old who probably has ran into these people that he's hanging out with somewhere, and he has no friends, right? I mean, more than likely, he has no friends in the area because he's from Georgia. Yeah, city. And he probably – it sounds like to me – now, this is pure speculation because we don't have all the details, right? 
we it sounds like it's just a couple of buds being buds playing video games while smoking buds i think there was probably uh, been alluded to marijuana was involved or some kind of drugs and which by the way they're not testing for right or for the nfl so there's no worries there and to to be to be quite honest they mentioned that the people were in a room playing video games and given the current climate uh a police coming into a party first instinct is always to run and especially given the current climate you may be you may be you know instinctually trying to even look to escape off a balcony um there have been plenty of campus parties that I've been to where I'm legally able to drink, 21, able to drink, and when the cops show up, everybody's instinct is just to scatter. Like, <laughs> like, like you're, you're cockroaches at the stadium in and someone turned on the light. I mean, it's just the instinct. Listen, was it a dumb decision to be anywhere where there's more than three people probably? You know, yeah. I mean, definitely. If you're a football player you should be staying at home going to practice staying at home play video games at home i get it you may be a little lonely meet some friends online do some zoom do something but going to a party whether it's just with go into a gathering of anything whether it's two people or up to 15 people because that's the limit with with tennessee or sorry with the nfl it's just it's just silly just don't put yourself in those situations but that's a maturity level thing and people are like well should we be worried about his maturity level no i think we're going to be okay he's 21 i mean he's allowed to make a stupid mistake here and there and obviously this was last sunday august uh 16th or 15th whatever day that was um yeah so he's there's daily testing so he's obviously been um showing up negative and on top of that, nobody else has gotten it. And Vrabel did say that it's been handled internally, but also with the team internally, too. He said that yesterday. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything to worry about from going forward. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. But I do think the there's like three reasons that this is just absolutely ridiculous decision-making by Isaiah Wilson. First, the – I get the instinct to run thing, but you're a 350 pound man. You should never be thinking about jumping off a second floor balcony, especially as a pro athlete. That is just not going to end well for you. I, I, it's that's that's just the image of him trying to hurdle himself off of a balcony is almost. I mean, the bad things that can happen from that are ten times worse than the bad things that can happen if he just sits there and, and ends up getting cited by the police for, you know, being at this marijuana party, right? Not to mention the image of him running from the party would look like a skyscraper trying to hide. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then, you know, obviously you have the COVID stuff. And let's not forget that Wilson started uh, camp when they all reported on the COVID list. So whether he had it or were, was exposed to it and had to be quarantined, um, we don't know and we never will, but if you've already been on the COVID list, putting yourself back out into a public setting like that where you might have to go on it again, if you, even if someone, you know, finds out that they were exposed to it and, and, you know, at this party or whatever, and then tells everybody, then technically you should have to quarantine. Now, I don't know how the reporting or anything like that would technically get back to the team if he tried to keep it quiet, but whatever. 
it's it's not a great situation to put yourself in. And like like Zach said, it's he's 21 years old. He's probably lonely and, you know, he's stuck in, you know, <laughs> a training camp where, you know, he's he's getting to know some of his teammates, stuff like that. It sounds like there may – we should probably touch on there may have been another teammate there. Uh, the police said that someone identified himself as Darrington Evans – uh, but they did not get an actual ID on him. And then Darrington Evans' agent came out and kind of uh, pretty strongly denied uh, the idea that, that Evans was there. Um, I find it very strange that someone would identify themselves as Darrington Evans uh, if they were not Darrington Evans, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a weird, weird scenario, and we have no idea who that other person was that was there. Well, they were burning uh, marijuana on the balconies. So who they? So that's what got them alerted to. Right. Um, you know, maybe you know he was running to the balcony to tell people that the cops were here <laughs> and to quit burning, and it may just look like that he was about to jump off. We don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it's all a perception thing, and it's all really weird. Obviously, it's not a big deal because he didn't get charged. Like a trespass, how do you even get trespass if you're invited to the property? Like right. I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand that. But I, I guess maybe it, I, I would assume that with TSU and the COVID rules, that probably there's some rule against outsiders being on campus. That would make point. sense. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is a big deal. I don't think we need to be throwing up red flags about Isaiah Wilson right now. I, I mean, well, I'm sure the rest of the media team, because we're recording this Monday morning, I'm sure the rest of the media that get, starts up at pretty much eight. And I, cause I don't really count uh, the wake up zone currently as something that I, anybody's listening to, but <laughs> um, I think it's starting at eight. I think you're just going to hear all about it. It started last night. Buck was talking about it on his show, talking about what would you do to punish him? And like, yeah, I don't know, just, I, I, I mean, get it. People are going to have to talk about it. Right. Cause obviously we're talking about it, but let's, let's go easy and not be like, you know, we need to cut Isaiah Wilson. Cause I'm very surprised that we haven't got a um, Luke Warsham piece right now. And I like Luke, but he said to cut Vic Beasley and not worry about any money. Why aren't we seeing to cut Isaiah Wilson? Just say well, well, remember when we were going to cut Derrick Henry because he went to uh, finish his degree? Yeah, uh, at Alabama. The audacity of the man! I yeah. know. So good, but, good thing we did that. Here's here's what I think is punishment enough. You've seen how intense both John Robinson and Mike Vrabel can be. We've all gotten in trouble at a young age, and 21 is still young. Do you want to be the one to have to go in either one of those men's office or talk about this? God forbid both of them at the same time, which is probably how that conversation went down. That had to be punishment enough. Plus he's got to walk in that locker room. And based on yeah. Taylor Wan's comments about how, you know, guys need, don't need to be selfish and need to understand we're in a unique position. It's probably been driven into the head of every NFL player in every locker room that the team who handles this the best has the best shot at winning the Super Bowl. I guarantee between the you know the front office head coach and then the team, he's gotten plenty. What drives me nuts about this, speaking of media, is you know prepping for this. I pulled an article off the New York Post uh, just because I wanted a, a, a nice, like, sufficient write-up of it. And, of course, at the bottom, they've got it compared to the Seahawks rookies, Siverend, uh, who got cut oh, for yeah. trying to sneak a woman into the hotel. New York Post. 
This is not even remotely the same thing, not even anything close. You're talking about a rookie who made a silly decision to go to an off-campus party, not dress a person of the opposite sex up as a football player to sneak them into a team hotel. Get that. Get out of here. Come well, on. and it's also two different situations because two different teams, right? Mm-hmm. And they have two different rules, two different set of guiding principles. I mean, the Seahawks are in a bubble. A first round pick versus a yeah. nobody. Yeah, Seahawks are in a bubble. We're technically not in a bubble. Uh, I, I think it's a little extreme to cut a player, but maybe they were just going to cut a player anyway, and they're just like, okay, well, you know, you were bottom end of the roster anyway, so see ya. I mean, it's all it's just silly. It's, it's always the risk versus reward, right? Like, I mean, if this guy was in the bottom 10 on the roster and they were like, ah, he's probably not making the team anyways, and we can make an example out of him and kind of scare the rest of these guys straight as far as like protecting the bubble, that's a value for them. I mean, that, that makes it makes perfect sense. The Titans were never going to cut Isaiah yeah. Wilson a first round pick. And, and the Titans are on it. They've known about it, they've handled it. It's all good. So, obviously, because of the NFL rule where it's like 15 people or whatever and you get fined, he had a fine hasn't been announced. Doesn't mean a fine couldn't be announced later on down the road, but right there now it seems like 15 people. Yeah, there. it doesn't sound like to me all, all evidence and signs point to that it was a, a gathering of less than 15 people. So, speaking of the Titans, they have cut seventh round pick Cole McDonald, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. RIP. RIP in pieces didn't even get to see the field yet this year and he's already been cut the Titans have signed Trevor Simeon uh, signed him last Wednesday August 19th and uh, I know Zach is a huge fan of this move well I just want to say this Mike was all about some Cole McDonald and as soon as Trevor Simeon signs it's like Cole McDonald doesn't exist and I'm on the Trevor Simeon train and this is a good sign because you know his best year was on, on this offense and blah, blah, blah. Screw you, Mike. You left Cole McDonald and just threw him away as soon as you could. And here, cause, here comes a corporate corporate puppet, Mike, talking about how good – listen, Trevor is, is quarterback three. And corporate I get puppet. that in a COVID situation, this probably would have never happened if it wasn't for COVID. In, in my opinion, I don't – I think we could have kept, you know, Cole McDonald around if it wasn't for COVID. I get it. But let's not act like Trevor has ever been anything good. He's just not good. He's never been good. He's been adequate, not even average, an adequate backup and level. I mean, like, he's not even a good starter when he was starting. He was just, he was meh, blah. If he comes in, no matter what, here's my thing. No matter who is our backup quarterback and who's on our roster, whoever comes in, we're effed, right? If they're playing that's – not, That's not true. Yeah, listen, this, this whole idea that Trevor Simeon can't lose you a game is, is mind-boggling. I didn't say can't lose you a game. I'm saying he's not, gonna, he's not a guy that you're going to stick out there and he's not going to be able to get you in the right play and it's just going to be a total yeah, disaster he is. the whole he game. Is that no, guy. he's not. He's 13 and 12 as a starter, Zach. Okay, okay. He's 13 and 12 are we, are as we a starter. Are we doing quarterback wins? Yes, are, we so are. That's not because that's, the point is that you, you can win games with, with Trevor Simeon. You can win games. Now, you have to have a strong running game and a strong defense. Good news, the Titans have both those things. Well, let me say this. How do you know that you can win games with quarterback when he hasn't won since 2017? 
Well, I hate to and play this game. He's coming off. But, he's coming off. I hate to play this game. How injury. do you know that Cole could win a game? Uh, because hey, listen, you're looking. You're looking at a situation. You're looking at a situation where you need a game manager. I, I, I think the trap you're falling into, Zach, is that your backup quarterback has to hit, resemble anything close to being a primary starter. A primary starter is a primary starter because they're not a backup quarterback. No, you got you guys didn't let me finish because Mike wanted to bring up quarterback wins like it's a val- value stat. You, you like they, there is no such thing as quarterback puppet. wins. Yeah, you're well. You you're did sounding you like a corporate puppet. <laughs> I mean, coming up with this quarterback wins like a, like that's a real stat that you can measure. You're, which is you not. were talking about whether or not you can win with Trevor Simeon. There is a track record that shows that you can. Uh, Unless the Denver Broncos were the not, greatest. Not team a, of all not time a in recent track record. But here's the thing: you're you're screwed no matter who is coming in because if if it's a season-ending injury, we're we're screwed. Trevor's not taking you to the playoffs. This isn't 2015, 2016. The NFL has gotten better as a whole. Trevor sucks, and he's coming off a gruesome ankle injury. So I don't understand this, this, this idea that he's good. But the reason – and he's quarterback three. Let's, let's – right now, no, Trevor is quarterback three. Right, Logan right is now. Cool. Yeah. It's a and, competition, though. Eh, it's a competition that nobody really cares about in the, in the long run because, again, it doesn't <laughs> – if, if we're going to lose, which 90% chance that we're going to lose no matter who's our backup quarterback when they come in to play, I want to lose exciting. Like, if we go down a quarterback three and Logan Woodside had gone down and then here comes Cole McDonald, I, I don't want to see us lose because we're doing a bunch of hands off, handoffs and our offensive game has become one-dimensional. We have become a one-dimensional team with Trevor Simeon. You know, Cole McDonald at least can run it and can do some bootlegs and some this or that. Give me some exciting losses. Don't give me these boring-ass losses I'm going to have to sit through like a Zach Mettenberger back there picking his nose and getting sacked. Hey, Zach Mettenberger ended up marrying the head coach's daughter. (laughs) So picking his nose did something. So, uh, listen – Trevor Simeon, this is this is why you go get Trevor Simeon. And, yes, I'm still a Cole McDonald fan. I still think he's really exciting and fun. But exciting and fun don't win football games. And what you're looking for in a backup quarterback isn't a guy that, in a season-ending situation with Ryan Tannehill, can come in and win. No one expects that out of their backup. What you want out of your backup is a guy that can come in, say your quarterback sprains an ankle and is going to be out two to three games or whatever. You want a guy that can come in and be competent enough that your team has a chance to win those games. And Trevor Simeon, we know, can do that. He's a smart guy. He's, he's got, you know, the pedigree of playing in this system before and having success in this system before. Mm, he's, that's he's, relative. He's a guy that can get you in. He's, again – 13 and 12 as a starter. That's some, the quarterback, that's some we, success. If you ever say on this podcast that quarterback wins don't matter, I'm you're not allowed I, to say I, you are I a quarterback wins think, guy from here no, on. No, no, no. Nope. So you, there, you, that's what you're saying. <laughs> quarterback wins are more important than they, any other hey, stat is what you're they, saying. They matter to some degree. No. They, and they do. That's they your do only matter reason to some that degree. he's good. That, it's, so not that's your, the, it's not the only stat. No, you aren't you aren't gonna catch me making the Vince Young argument where, oh, he was thirty and seventeen, so he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But it does say, okay, Trevor Simeon is not a total disaster. He's not going to not give you a chance to win games because we've seen evidence that you can win games. 
I agree with Mike that you need a game manager. I know you disagree with us on that, Zach, but the difference here is, is that he has had live NFL game snaps, even though he tried to snap his ankle, but at the same time, he has had live NFL game snaps and you got to be able to bring in a game manager. Uh, I would love to listen to you to continue to go off on this, but unfortunately I have to do what's called a transition in radio and in a podcast. Um, up at broadwaysportsmedia.com, we have uh, the latest on Clowney. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. There's not much to report. However, we would love for you to go check out the article at broadwaysportsmedia.com, the latest on Davian Clowney. Uh, and I believe we do have a listener question up with that. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I don't remember who said it, but uh, they were wondering, do the Titans have enough on defense to generate more of a pass rush than last year, not including Clowney, obviously? Thank you for picking up the end of that rope that I dropped because I just straight up left that there for Zach to figure out. Um, I, I think we do. I mean, I think that we have um, enough of a pass rush. I, I, when I'm with say more, I think it's like a 5% upgrade. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think we're like – now, DeAndre Walker is starting to look good in camp and starting to create a little bit of buzz, and he's getting a lot of runs with the one, even over Correa. But Correa's also been out. So, we'll see how that actually plays out and stuff. So, Mike, I'm going to throw that in your direction. Uh, agree, disagree? Yeah, and, and I kind of wrote a little bit about this on uh, my piece on broadwaysportsmedia.com, uh, um, the uh, clowny updates piece. Um, so I do think the Titans have a chance to get better on the pass rush. And, and this was the biggest point of that. You know, obviously they got rid of Casey. They added Beasley. Um, you know, frankly, if you just want to look at just straight sack numbers, Beasley had eight sacks last year. Casey had five. You know, that's a little bit of an upgrade there. Uh, you know, obviously it's not a like-for-like like trade out there, but, you know, that's that's a little bit more firepower than the, what the Titans had. And, and Beasley, even his worst year since his rookie season, uh, or since, you know, I guess 2016 when he led the NFL in sacks, was five sacks. So he's not going to be a total zero, and five sacks would have tied for second uh, on the Titans roster last year. So Beasley's been frustrating. Beasley's been a headache. Uh, we still don't see Beasley on the practice field. All of that sucks. I still think once the pads come on and the lights lights go on, I think Beasley does make a difference for this team as a pass rusher. Um, that being said, the biggest thing that people are missing when you look at teams from year to year, I think – is we look at everybody on paper, right? You know, you see, oh, well, the uh, the Ravens added player X and they lost players y, y, Z, and T. And this is why – that's why they're going to be bad now. Um, you know, they got, they got worse. Or the Titans, you know, they lost Darrell Casey and Logan Ryan, so they're automatically going to be worse. What you don't look at and what you don't pay enough attention to, in my opinion – is development and the, the really good teams are the teams that develop their own talent right so the titans have done a much better job of this in recent years you see guys like Jayon brown coming from a fifth round pick who's a bit part player you know playing on some third downs uh playing on special teams and then he's developed into a borderline star uh at, at linebacker you see johnny smith kind of coming up you see uh you know 
Ben Jones, even veterans like Ben Jones, Daquan Jones have had career years in recent seasons under this coaching staff. Incremental improvement from 52 guys in is, in my opinion, is way more valuable than the adding the talents of one really talented guy. Um, Cause you're looking at it across the roster. You need your entire roster to be getting better. Not just, Oh, well, we got rid of this part and replace it with another part. And, it's not always a one-to-one ad. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that I think gets overlooked. And I think if you're looking at the Titans pass rush and you're worried about it, the Titans, regardless of whether you sign Clowney or, or whatever, you need Harold Landry to be your number one pass rusher. He needs to, to get to double-digit sacks, and I think he will this year. Um, you need uh, Jeffrey Simmons to take a big step forward. He had nine last year. I know, I mean, but it just it brings back memories of last year when you said that uh, your bold prediction, which is a great episode for this to actually happen on. Your bold prediction was him like being like top five in sacks or something. I'm like, it was, bold. and then he started he off so strong. He started off so strong. He and was a crashed and burned. I believe he was top five in sacks when he got to nine, and he got <laughs> to nine in like week twelve. Yeah, um, and then he didn't get another sack the rest of the way. So, Harold, you let me down on my bold <laughs> prediction, but I still believe in you. Uh, I think he's going to come back strong this year. I think he is going to reach that double-digit sack plateau. Um, but uh, I think Jeffrey Simmons also is a guy, second year, healthy. We've already talked about it. Um, you you want to see a guy like DeAndre Walker, Derek Roberson, some guys that got small snaps last year, take that next step. I think that's where your pass rush has to come from. It has to come from guys that are on the roster developing not some savior coming in on his you know white horse to to save the pass rush and i'll say this just real quick because i I know we need to move on but the i think there is a symbiotic relationship between your defensive backs and your pass rush if logan ryan wasn't having to play out of out of sorts uh out of position and malcolm butler was still around would our pass rush have gotten five to six more sacks probably i mean we can do a lot more now with Christian Fulton and Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson than we could last year with Tremaine Brock, Adoree Jackson, and Logan Ryan. Like, I mean, that makes a difference. That, that totally makes a difference. And a great pass rush can sometimes be contributed to uh, your defensive backs or your defensive back play can be contributed to the great pass rush. Very symbiotic. I mean, you got to remember – one of the best defenses we had was when Albert Hainsworth, Kyle Vandenbosch, we were getting pressure like crazy, making Michael Griffin and Cortland Finnegan and all those guys, while they were good, look a whole lot better. Because once Albert Hainsworth left, that's when the holes in some of their games started to show. So I, I think there we like Mike said, consistency is key. The ter- the the little no, we really didn't have a lot of turnover. Staff is really good too. I think that with the upgrade in our secondary and the minor upgrades in our uh, front seven, I think you'll see uh, an improvement. I totally agree. So we had a listener question. Is Mike Vrabel already the best head coach the Titans have ever had? Now, my first inclination is to start laughing about that, but let's, let's do this. Let's, let's cut out the Oilers part and just focus on the Titans, you know, being in Tennessee, being in Nashville for what it's worth, and going from there. This question is not exactly completely obscene. It's really not when you think about it, especially when you take it into effect that, I mean, 
strategy wise, preparation wise, the way he's got the locker room together and all this stuff. He's, he's a really damn, he's, he's a damn good head coach, right? I mean, don't you think he's at least top 10 in the league currently? And when's the last time Jeff Fisher outside the Super Bowl run was considered a top 10 head coach? No, no offense to Jeff. Listen, no, no, let me let me say this. You can't outside not, of the Super Bowl run here, though. Well, no, you can't no. just mix out his Super Bowl run. <laughs> yeah, but which Super Bowl run is more impressive? Us going to the AFC Championship game or, or us heading to the Super Bowl? I, I think that with the way the season started, us getting to the AFC Championship game is a pretty damn good coaching job by Vrabel. I still err right now on the side that Jeff Fisher is the better head is the better Titans head coach. But I don't think Vrabel is that far off from overtaking that mantle. It's, it's 100% Jeff Fisher. Um, and I don't think it's particularly close at the moment. Jeff Fisher had a run where he went 13 and three, 13 and three, seven and nine, 11 and five, 12 and four. Um, and then he had a, a 10 and six and a 13 and three uh, back through there as well. But I mean, that's six, uh, more than 10 win seasons uh, with the team. You know, Vrabel still yet to have his first. He's been close both years. Um, but Vrabel still has a ways to go before he gets to Fisher. Um, you know, if he – let's say he wins the Super Bowl this year. If he wins the Super Bowl, I think he passes Fisher this year. Anything short of that, I don't think he passes Fisher uh, for me until – you know, we get a little bit further down the road as far as track record. Because the Fisher years, Fisher gets a lot of uh, criticism for obviously the later the later part of his career where he really kind of devolved into like the worst version of himself, right? You know, and the league kind of passed him by. Uh, but during his prime, during those first few years in, in Nashville, and let's not forget, it, he managed – that transition beautifully. I mean, this team played in three different cities in three years. And by the third year of that run, uh, we're playing in the Super Bowl. That's unbelievable coaching and management and being able to hold a team together. And I think Fisher is a much better head coach than he gets credit for. And that the internet jokes and everything like that are cheap because Fisher actually was a good football coach for a long time. And I don't like seeing him have his name drugged through the mud every time, you know, it's July 9th or uh, whatever. And, and we get all the, oh, it's Jeff Fisher Day. You know, let's ease off on that. You know, why don't we make Jeff Fisher Day, uh, well, I, there's not a month for it because 13 and 3, you know, there's, there's not a 13th month, unfortunately. Hey, you ain't over day. yet. Uh, thir- <laughs> that's true. That's true. Whenever we had uh, – a Bucktoberfest or whatever uh, to the end of uh, <laughs> December this year. Um, we'll make that the third day of that month, uh, Jeff Fisher Day. Yeah, so I, I'm with Mike 100% here. It's, it's Jeff Fisher without a doubt. Now, Vrabel is off to a hell of a, a start. I mean, he really, really is. And in recency bias, I agree with Zach where, I mean, currently, yes, I think he's one of the top 10 coaches in the league. Uh, I, I also feel that he has he's certainly got it from an operational standpoint. He's got the respect of the locker room. But let's not forget Jeff Fisher was the same way. Jeff Fisher had it operationally. Jeff Fisher had the respect of the locker room. And I think it's really, really easy to remember the last few years where it all kind of came, you know, crashing down. 
but it's certainly Jeff Fisher. And also, I don't want to discount that Super Bowl run because th- that is the season that the Titans three times had to go through that brutal Jacksonville team. Let's not forget this Jacksonville team. If it was at the round before the AFC Championship game, they absolutely dismantled the Dolphins and and put Dan Marino out to pasture. Like, without a doubt, just you're done playing football, Dan Marino. That was very embarrassing. So, it's it's Fisher. I agree. If Rabel rips off a Super Bowl win, you know, that that's, that's certainly going to change the narrative. But it, it's Jeff Fisher. Yeah, 62 to 7 was the final in that Jags Dolphins uh, playoff game. I mean, who are we getting 62 here? 62 to 7. God. In a playoff game. But but in all let, let's let's stop joking around and, and just admit that it's Ken Wisenhunt, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I had oh, to I was going to say Mike Munchak. I had to look at a Listen, I'll give Mike Munchak this. At least he won more than 3 games. I couldn't believe when I was reading when I looked it up. Ken Wisenhunt was 3 and 20 as the Titans head coach. 3 and 20? How pathetic. It's not very good. No, that is uh that's that's absolutely pathetic. All right. So, let's I want to I want to get away from that bold predictions. Um Zach, I'm going to start with you. Give me a bold prediction for the Titans and a bold prediction for the NFL. Well, I think audio messed up last week, so I'm using the one from last week where an offensive lineman passes to another offensive lineman on this team for a touchdown. Whether that's Isaiah Wilson to Dennis Kelly or Dennis Kelly to Isaiah Wilson, there's going to be an offensive lineman to offensive lineman connection for a touchdown. And NFL, I am going with – I am going to go with – Russell Wilson wins his first MVP, and he's never been voted. He's never gotten one MVP vote, if you can believe it. Never has he ever gotten one MVP vote for the NFL, and he's going to win it this year. I like it. Um, All right, so mine, I'm also, I think, borrowing possibly a previous take uh, of mine, but I do think this is going to happen, so it's, it's legit. I think Corey Davis leads the Titans in receiving this year. That's, that's that's my bold prediction. I, I think I like that you said that on a previous episode, and then other people have started posting something similar onto their Twitter and taking it as they are the leader of the Corey Davis fan club. Listen, well, you know, we never disbanded the Corey Davis fan club, despite the intro to this podcast. That we have never <laughs> disbanded a Corey Davis fan club, and we, and it's I would even say we, Mike is the Corey Davis fan club president. You guys are just members or have started recently your own club. We Our club is, is the OG, OG oh, club. Old Bucky come lately over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so that, that's my Titans one. Uh, my NFL Bowl prediction is that the Atlanta Falcons, not the New Orleans Saints, not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, win the NFC South. Woo, spicy. Falcons are coming. That is spicy. Uh, all right. So Titans, a bold prediction. I'm, I'm going to be real cheesy and I'm going to go off the one that I had last year. I'm just going to leave out the Mariota part. <laughs> the Titans are going to go back to the AFC championship game. I am not going to take my prediction any further because I am being superstitious. If you think that I'm punking out and not giving a full prediction, that is precisely what I am doing, <laughs> but I'm telling you the Titans go back to the AFC championship game. Uh, NFL prediction. Uh, I, I, um, uh, you know what? 
let's let's go two for two on pettiness. Um, Mariota starts week three for the Oakland Raiders, and he continues to throw balls into the dirt and over the heads of receivers and look rattled all season long. And Titans fans who loved Mariota are going to continue to argue that he just wasn't given a chance and that he caught his own pass in a Kansas City playoff game, and therefore he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, so that's right. If you're Marcus listening, is going to start week three. going to start Oof, by week three. That's, Dude, that's spicy itself. Gruden is yes. already actively throwing car under the bus. That's bit. not true, though. I mean, no. where's all this? Where's all this stuff coming from about Carr and Mariota looking great? And I was like, it's it's coming from Gruden. No, He's it's coming certainly- from Davis. It's it's Victor Ford. The the guy said this. I mean, he said that Gruden wants. It's in the article. Gruden wants Carr, but Davis wants Mar- Marcus, which is a totally a Davis family thing, right? If Al Davis was still around, he would be forcing Marcus to start, and. Every for all intents and purposes, the Gruden thing said that he looked dazzling on one play. That was the only thing, and then everybody ran that uh, Marcus is going to start. But what's funny is that later in that same practice, he was throwing ducks, and Gruden is uh, supposedly a big car guy. Uh, supposedly, according to what Victor Fur has written, so that's not true. PK said that this week, and it's not true because I guess he didn't read the Vic article. But it's not Gruden that is whispering about Marcus. It's definitely Davis. And that's such a Davis move, like a Davis family move. It's a tradition like no other. The man flies and pays like $300 to get that haircut that he has. He goes out of his way to get it. So, yeah, no, I can absolutely do that. Well, I will certainly eat my words on that one. It is not – it's Davis the one that's leaking it. But I stand by it. Week three, Mario is going to be the starter, and he's going to look the same way he did for the Titans, which is not great. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. All right. So, we got two minutes left because I need to get to the most important topic that we have on here, which is the Big Ten headquarters – has a Fogo de Chao apparently in the bottom of it. <laughs> so for those who do not know what a Fogo de Chao is, it is a Brazilian steakhouse. And if you don't know what a Brazilian steakhouse is, let me paint you a picture. It's the sizzler if it were actually good. So this is an all-you-can-eat meat fest. You show up, they give you this little red or green button, and when you sit down, they take your drink order, and then they put the little buttons on your table. You flip it to green for keep bringing a steak. You flip it to red for I can't do anymore. I need to go to the hospital. And I promise you it is as much food as you could possibly eat. Zach, why are we just now discovering this? Why do the Titans not have a Fogo de Chao in the bottom of their facility? Well, isn't it crazy that nobody has ever talked about this? I mean, the Big Ten, I've, I've never seen any Big Ten reporter ever talk about this. Is this common in Ohio that the random businesses just have Fogo de Chao's under it? Is it like a Starbucks, but, you know, on every corner, but it's, it's meat? Like. I- I suspect that reporters don't spend a whole lot of time in the Big Ten headquarters, though. But even if you go once, even if you've been once, that's the biggest story. And this is the biggest story of our lifetime. The biggest story of 2020 is that there is a Fogo de Chao in the headquarters of a probably male-dominant staffing. Can you imagine the conversation? Like, this is where they were meeting when they decided to cancel the season. Like, you know, they were all having meat sweats, and some people may have been concerned that the meat sweats were actually COVID-related. But, like, that's where they decide all Big Ten decisions 
come at a fogo de chow while they're bringing, you know, slicing meat off of a, a skewer and just, they're just, I just picture like these really big guys with cigars in one hand, scotch in the other, and just eating meat. It's the most on-brand uh, Big Ten thing ever, too, by the way. It's, I think, to, to defend Fogo de Chow here for a second, or for or defending the Big Ten, they're probably tired of it, right? It's that thing where it's like, oh, my God, there's a Fogo de Chow, in the, and, and you're going once a week, and then all of a sudden, three months later, you're like, I, I can't do it. Like, I'm literally getting gout. I, I can't go in there anymore. We're going to have to stop eating red meat. So they're probably tired of it. I, I did want to point out Mike's little dig about uh, – I don't think the press spends much time in the Big Ten headquarters. It's pretty funny. I just had to look it up when you all were talking about it. It's been there since 2013. It's a wow. long time that this went unreported, yeah. and I'm very, very upset with the media for not pointing this out till now. This is huge. What's in the bottom of an SEC? Like the SEC headquarters. Just bags of money. Yeah. Just p- piles of trophies. <laughs> The crystals. Mike, I agree with you. Like, I, there's no way I could go to a Fogo de Chow that often. There was a period last year when I was traveling for work that I went to Chattanooga and took some customers to a Fogo de Chow and wanted to die after that experience. And then the very next week, I ended up having to go back to Chattanooga. And where did a separate group of heathens want to go? Fogo de Chow. So, even doing that twice in the span of like 10 days, I felt like I was going to die. And I'm a man who enjoys red meat immensely. And I, I, it was just too much. You know, the whole thing with those Brazilian steakhouses, and it's a, it's a full-on conspiracy unless someone wants to talk me out of this. They bring you the cheap stuff up front mm. to where you're like getting filled up on sirloin and stuff. And then right. all of a sudden at the end, when you almost can't eat anymore, they're coming out with like whole roasted pigs and filet <laughs> and, and, and like all this ridiculous stuff where you're thinking, I, I would have enjoyed that earlier when I wasn't like actively having a coronary at the table. <laughs> exactly. They, they, I think there is some strategy to it because they, they do seem to kind of throw that good stuff in at the very end. They're like, wait, 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 you can fit more. Zach, have you made the mistake of going when, when you first started going, did you make the mistake of going to the salad and sidebar? Uh, no, no. I, <laughs> I try not to. I don't even go to the. I don't even like going to the salad bar at Sperry's. Yeah, I, at Sperry's, I've I've never gone to the salad bar. I I did the the first time I went to a Brazilian steakhouse. I made a mistake of going to get potatoes and all that jazz, and all of a sudden, you know, by the time they're bringing on the good meat, the stuff's all done. So yeah, stupid stupid brazilian steakhouses and their deliciousness and now that i say that i want to go back like that's that's one of the first things i'm looking forward to when this whole thing is starting to wrap up with covid i'm going to go into a brazilian steakhouse and act a fool (laughs) um all right so it was announced uh i guess sometime in the last week there's not going to be any fans uh at the the away opener at the broncos and the first opening three games of the first three home games for the titans yeah, unless something changes. Yeah. Is that every team in the league now that is not going to have fans opening? No, there's quite a few teams that still are opening up with 20-something percent. Huh. As far as I know, I, I think Dallas and um, the Texans are both rolling that way. Uh, is the Washington football team, I think, rolling? But, I mean, not every – which is funny because they're all 
uh, besides the Washington football team, they all have domes and we're in an outside stadium. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous to me that we have an outside stadium. The Titans have plans in place to make, to ensure the safety of anybody that comes in. And the mayor is like, no, we're still not doing it. Like just if you're, if you're that scared, don't go to the game. Like I've said it before, said it again. I understand why people are concerned because they come into contact with people they may not know every day, right? So you never know who came to a game. It's the the wear the mask. They were going to make you wear the mask. They were going to have everybody split up among the seats and you know all this stuff. I, I feel bad for season ticket holders like myself who opted in, and now we can't go to the game and all this stuff. It's 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 crazy. They should let people go to the game. Uh, I I think that no fans at the Broncos on Monday Night Football is really weird, and that's Denver's choice, and they're doing the same thing. And I think it's going to be crazy. It's going to be. It's it's is it going to affect my enjoyment of the game? No, because more than likely I probably won't even listen to the TV now. I'll just throw on uh, the Mike Keith on the radio and then just call it a day. Yeah, I, it's, you know, I get it. Like, you know, people want to be careful. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be the city that lets a huge COVID outbreak happen coming out of a football game. You know, like that would be a total disaster. It would be a huge black eye on the city and, you know, whatever mayor it was, regardless of any liability or waivers or anything else, you know, that would be, that would be bad. But at the same time, I do think it's strange that, you know, you could have these outdoor events, but, you know, other teams are saying you can do it indoors. The problem, though, I think is not, like, people keep talking about, like, capacity and, and, you know, oh, how far can you space apart the seats? It's not how far you can space apart the seats while you're sitting and watching the game. Like, that, you can handle that. That's not a big deal. It's when the the most crowded Nissan Stadium ever gets is when the final whistle blows and people blitz out of that thing like a madhouse, and there is no controlling that. I mean, you could, you would have to find a way to like make a controlled exit in sections and stuff like that to keep people from just being all over top of each other. Because I mean, it, it would be mass chaos, and I don't know how you control that at the end of a game. So I think that's the main problem for getting people back into stadiums like that is how like you could do a staggered entrance you could do spread apart seating how do you keep people from trampling each other at the end of a game you know well, that's, that's a problem i think you you also you know I'll, I'll take my slight little dig at at the uh mayor and then move on but it's it's i agree with zach on this it's silly to me to just go ahead and call it and not let fans attend the first handful of games when this city has done a piss poor job of keeping people off of Broadway and this constant rolling set of rules and regulations on what bars can be open. Oh, bars serve food. They can be open. They could be at 50%. All, all of it, it's just been just this rolling mess of regulations that uh, why, when people are allowed to gather, but I will say this to Mike's point, I agree the letting fans out, rushing out big groups and mobs of people pouring out of stadiums on TV. But there's also the optics of, and I think we discussed this on the podcast before, of 
yeah, okay, you go through this whole rigmarole of keeping fans separated and two seats in front and behind and to the sides. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. What happens at the end of the game when they get up and they rush down to the sidelines to try to get an autograph, and now you got security telling them to go back? The optics of it is what sucks, and the optics of it are going to suck for the NFL, and they're going to suck for each team because what are the cameras on TV going to point out? Any fans are in the game of them gathering together, even during the game where you got guys having beers and they're gathered around each other and the different groups are coming over and gathering with each other and now security's having to what, break that up? The whole thing, just the, the, the optics of it just really, unfortunately, kind of sucks. Yeah, if, if you were able to have 22% people, so that's like a, roughly a little under 15,000 people in, in that stadium and spread out, I think that, it being spread out, I think the massive – and with all the different exits you can have. I think it will be – you could have a security guard directing people one way or the other at your side of the stadium and trying to split it up that way. I think there's ways – and I'm sure the Titans would have figured it out because they were figuring out most of the stuff. I'd love to know what their plan was, right? I mean, an in-depth plan – I'd love to know what it was just from – I'm just interested to see why it didn't pass. Like what was the flaw in the system? And it could be the exit strategy. You don't know. But I would just – I'm just so curious as to what their plan was that they presented to the mayor and it was not good enough. You know, but I will say, I mean, Titan specific to this, that organization does not have a good history on letting fans into the stadium and in kind of normal flowing manner in normal times. That's and true. we're also talking about an organization, yeah, it's a cheap dig, that has left the dollhouses and Logan's Roadhouse lingering in that son of a bitch for how long now? But in all seriousness, like that team has really not had a season to where security letting people into games has been efficient by any manner and to zach's point or what you're saying yeah I, I was thinking about that too you could dismiss like certain sections at different times and all that i think that's all well and good until it starts raining <laughs> well and, and until people are six beers deep and yeah. coming off of a loss and not trying to you know listen to anybody you know i mean you know what what titans games get like you know especially if they're losing uh at the end you know that people aren't in a great mood um, and a lot of them are heavily uh, intoxicated at that point. So having them make the best decisions and listen to people, um, not always uh, realistic. I don't think so. I, I will, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go, go, go ahead. All I'm going to do is uh, I want to kind of transition into how do, how's this going to affect the players? Yeah. I was going to go right into that because <laughs> I think that Mike has a point with Corey Davis getting the most receiving yards because now I think that he's someone that's going to benefit from there being no crowd. I don't know why. I don't think that – I'm trying not to make a shot on Corey. But, like, wouldn't it be something? No crowds and Corey Davis goes on this wild tear of receiving yards. And then at halfway point, we allow crowds back in at the games and then he sucks. Like, that would be wild. Maybe it's maybe it was us all along. Yeah, it was all us. No, I, I I don't know that it'll affect the players that much, honestly. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of a you know to borrow a uh, Daboism, uh, a bring your own juice kind of situation now, because um, you're not going to get that electricity of the crowd and like you know the roar of the big play and stuff like that. So it's going to be you know the teams that can get themselves fired up more so than than ever. 
um, I think. And then, you know, the other aspect, of course, is how much of the opposing team's conversations are you going to be able to hear on the field? I know they're going to bring in some crowd noise, but you don't know like to what level and whether that piped in crowd noise is going to have the same effect as far as like canceling out, like the ability to hear cadences and, and stuff like that, that normal crowd noise would. Um, so I, I don't know. That's all a TBD, but um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. I know people are anti crowd noise being pumped in, but, and I'm sure it will be regulated. Uh, but let me say this. So the WWE, <laughs> I always try to work in WWE in every podcast. (laughs) The the WWE on Friday started their WWE Thunderdome. They've permanently moved into the Amway Center, and they have constructed it where they have uh, the Zoom billboards, but they fill up the whole first two sections of the stadium and stuff. But they started pumping in artificial crowd noise mixed in with some Zoom call crowd noise as well. And it made the experience on Sunday. Last night was a pay-per-view for SummerSlam. First off, you could tell that the the wrestlers fed off the energy of it because it's been quiet, right? So they fed off the energy. The matches benefited from it. The whole experience and atmosphere, was it perfect? No, because there was a lot of times there wasn't appropriate boo level and appropriate cheer level and all this stuff. But it, it fed into the atmosphere. And sure, it sounds silly that you're going to have to pump in crowd noise, but it, the product will benefit the on-field product from all the way down to the players to our viewing experience, they will benefit from having that kind of energy, artificial energy created. I agree. Uh, Yeah. I I think they'll feed off of having the artificial energy. I'll be interested to see how the NFL handles artificial noise because we've had a few examples of it now, right? Where (coughs) Falcons, (laughs) <laughs> but outside outside of the normal teams you know pumping in sound seattle uh, but um it i i think you know we've had now had a few examples uh during covid of sports organizations that have done it baseball which has been weird hit or miss depending on which game um you you know happen to be watching some teams and some sound systems are doing it better than others it, i think it was um the Braves had it pumping in the other night. It was actually sounded pretty good. But then I was watching an Oakland A's game a couple of weeks ago and it sounded terrible. And it's probably because Oakland's sound system is terrible, right? But at the same time, I'll be interested to see how football does it because football usually has these big, loud, crowd, roaring moments where you've got stadiums and organizations that are saying things like, it's third down, you know, trying to get the, the crowd riled up. It's going to be weird if you have that kind of stuff happening where it's third down and then it just stops. So I I will be interested to see how the NFL handles it. It'll probably be an evolving product of sound being pumped in. Just real quick before we go, because I know we're running short on time. So we we have a really good topic for next week about inside the NBA or whatever that. uh, uh, Yeah, inside the NBA. I think that's a good topic to say. I wanted to go back to Isaiah Wilson because I went to, I wanted to see if he's been on Twitter recently or whatever. And it's, it, it must be a song lyric, but I want to tell you what song lyric he posted okay. uh, about eight hours ago. I had to run away high. So I wouldn't come home low. <laughs> wow. That is, that is perfect. There we go. It sounds like he was going to jump over the balcony. 
eight. I, what, I, what I really hope is this. Like, I, I hope that the cops or whoever showed up and discovered this scene, right? I just want this image of gigantic ass Isaiah Williams with one leg thrown over the balcony. Like, just one th- one leg thrown over the railing like he's considering it, right? And the cops are like, no, stop. Stop it. Go back inside. We're coming up there. <laughs> what, a, what a mess, man. What a That's, gigantic man. It's a song by Motley Crue uh, uh, tonight. Because oh. he was quote-tweeting Nikki Six. Well, that's, well, I, like, um, I like the uh, eclectic um, music throwback there. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a nice little throwback. Um, well, gentlemen, unless you have anything else, I, I think that's going to do it for us. I just need to say real quick. I know well, that we cares don't talk about, about Luca. I know we don't talk about the NBA on here very much, <sighs> but Luca Doncic is so unbelievable, and I love him. I'm a Mavericks fan. I picked up the Mavericks while I was living in Dallas as my team for a while I was there for the whole uh, dirt title run so I'm I'm a Mavericks fan and I just have to say Luka Doncic is going to be a top 10 all-time NBA player and it's just now a matter of where he ranks in that top 10 I'm gonna hold that's, you to that. that's happening he's unbelievable I love you to do that you know I'm it, better what <laughs> Last was all the idiots that were posting on social media last night of, oh, he's, he's 21. What were you doing at 21? 99.9% of people were not doing anything worth a damn at 21, okay, except pro athletes. So miss me with all this crap about, what were you doing at 21? I can tell you exactly what I was doing at 21. Isaiah was Wilson doing- should have posted getting high and playing video games. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, wanted to post a, I wanted to post a picture last night of just blinking lights and people at a rave because I can promise you I wasn't doing anything at 21 that enlightened my life <laughs> I, mean, I, was to, I was trying to find a fogo to chow yeah most most jobs don't want 20 like most important like big jobs don't want 21 year olds doing them for a reason right. yeah exactly there's it's a reason why most of us were like you know cooks and blue-collar workers at 21, because that's the kind of work that people want us doing. Listen, I was slinging some tennis shoes at Academy Sports when I was 21, and nobody was doing it better. <laughs> I was the assistant manager of a GameStop. So I was having to talk people out of their video games and systems to trade them in. I like it. Yeah. I was doing Best Buy. I think I was at 21 uh, working at Best Buy. I See, don't know. exciting, I, I, real, real yeah. exciting stuff at 21. We were not shooting game ending threes and all that. So Mike's a Mavs fan. That's fun. We all enjoyed that. I'm so, so glad you filled us in on that one, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Just wonderful. All right. You're that's welcome. Good. That's all. That's all we got. Stop talking. None of you, but n- neither one. No more. Uh, football and other efforts. We always love bringing you the stuff. It is a good time. Uh, Broadway Sports Media is where you can find us now. You can find all of our content, all of our podcasts all of the good stuff that you want to read so please come check us out again broadway sports media uh rate review and subscribe to our podcast if you have not already please tell your friends and family that you listen and recommend that they do it as well um for zach lyons mike and myself mr lewowski you have just been effed a broadway sports media production